0: Bible reading today is from John chapter 8 and verses 12 to 30. That's John chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him, Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my judgments are true. Because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is my father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put Yet no one seized him, because his hour had not yet come. Once more Jesus said to them, I am going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that what he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world. "'I am not of this world. "'I told you that, I would di- that you would die in your sins "'if you do not believe that I am he. "'You will die in your sins.' "'Who are you?' they asked. "'Just what I have been telling you from the beginning,' Jesus replied. "'I have much to say in judgment of you, "'but he who sent me is trustworthy, "'and what I have heard from him I tell the world.' "'They did not understand that he was telling them about his father.' So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me, he has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him.
1: Uh, Pleasure to be with you uh, again today in Airdrie. Uh, as we look at God's Word together. If you have a Bible, please do keep it open at John chapter 8, as it's that chapter we'll be looking at, and in particular, verse 12 of that chapter. So, John chapter 8, verse 12. I'll just quickly uh, bow in a word of prayer before we turn to God's Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great privilege we have to... uh, Hear your word preached towards Lord, knowing that it is from you that this is your word inspired by your Holy Spirit, Father. Thank you for the technology we have to make this possible at this time. I just pray, Father, that you will help me, that you will empower me by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, that you will use your word in uh, people's lives this morning, Father. I pray that you help us all to focus as we listen and look at the computer screen. And we just pray, most importantly, that you will be glorified. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In our day and age, there are a dozen and one politicians, celebrities and organisations that are calling for you to follow them. From politicians trying to secure your vote, to the latest social justice movements trying to win your support such as Black Lives Matter or Extinction Rebellion. We have celebrities trying to win your following on Twitter and popular YouTubers trying to get you to subscribe to their channel. And yet, what do they promise in return? Well, politicians always promise more than they deliver. The social justice movements offer a sense of belonging and the feeling that you're fighting a good cause, even if that cause that you're actually fighting for is hidden from you. And Twitter and YouTube, well, they give you a a short burst of entertainment or the latest gossip, but that's probably about as far as it goes. And yet, in our passage this morning, we have just heard of another person calling for our following, haven't we? In our passage, Jesus is in Jerusalem, he is teaching in the temple, and we see that Jesus makes this huge statement about himself, in verse 12. And as a result of this, he calls for a following. And we see that his promise is greater than any has ever promised or could promise. And this, this passage here, of course, is one of the seven I am statements. Uh, they're found throughout John's Gospel. It's where Jesus says, I am, and then this is followed by a metaphor. And Jesus uses this to describe who he is and why he has come. And so this is what Jesus says. We've we've heard it already. We've sang it in that song. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so from this statement this morning, we see uh, three things. We see that Jesus is the light of the world. We see that Jesus brings us out of darkness and we see that Jesus is to be followed. But what we need to bear in mind from the start of this sermon is that Jesus always delivers. These other things that call for your following, they promise so much, but they always deliver so little. Whereas Jesus promises much and delivers more than we could even imagine. And so firstly then, Jesus is the light of the world. It is believed that Jesus said this during the Feast of Tabernacles, which was a feast celebrated by the Druze every year. And as a part of this celebration, there was a candle lighting ceremony where a number of large candles were lit in the temple area in Jerusalem. And this light could be seen throughout Jerusalem at night time. And so it is significant that Jesus said that he is the light of the world during this time when light was what everyone was thinking about as they put their candles in their windows. And yet Jesus stands up and proclaims that he is the light of the world. Now this is some claim to make, isn't it? So much so that it caused offence to the religious leaders of the day, which is why, as we just had read to us, they go on to accuse him of lying and saying that he's bearing witness to himself. And that's because, amongst other things, Jesus is essentially claiming to be God. Because only God can be the light of the world. In Psalm 27, verse 1, David calls God his light. And in Isaiah 60, verses 19 to 20, God tells his people that he will be their everlasting light. And yet here is Jesus saying that he is the light of the world. We cannot just ignore Jesus making these kinds of statements. When we take this into account, this saying as well as his other I am statements such as I am the bread of life and I am the good shepherd, we we cannot just ignore these claims. And as the well-known author of the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis, once pointed out, we are left with only three options. Either Jesus was a lunatic or a liar or he was in fact Lord. And as confirmed by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus is Lord. He truly is the light of the world. And so what does this light light metaphor tell us about Jesus? Well, firstly, it tells us that he's unique, doesn't it? Jesus, in in this verse here, he uses emphatic language. And we see this particularly in the Greek. And... And when he says this about himself, he's emphasizing that he, and he alone, is a light of the world. There is no other person, no angel, no prophet, no religious leader, or anyone else who could be called by this title. It belongs to Jesus alone. And that is because it is only Jesus who can bring us to God. But not only does it show us that Jesus is unique, but it tells us something of his character, doesn't it? By Jesus calling himself light, we get the picture that he is holy, which means that he's separate from everything else that is darkness. We see that he is righteous, as light represents moral purity, doesn't it? Whilst darkness represents evil and unrighteousness. John gives us this picture in his first epistle, doesn't he? When he says that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. But we also see that Jesus is true. Light is associated with truth and knowledge, and darkness with error and falsehood. But we also see that Jesus is for the world, don't we? Yes, Jesus is the light, but he is also the light of the world. In Jesus' day, there were Jews and they were. Well, the Jews in general, they were looking for the promised one. And he was the one who was going to come and deliver them from Roman rule. And they called him their Messiah. And what's more is that they believed he was coming exclusively for them. And yet Jesus throws all of this to the wind. Jesus was their Messiah. And he did not come to deliver them from Rome, but he came to deliver them from their sin. But what's even more amazing is he didn't just come for the Jews, but he came for the world. And yet what's surprising is God told us this long before it happened. In the Old Testament, in Isaiah 49, verse 2, we read these words. God says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. God said this roughly around 700 years before Jesus came, that he would send someone to be a light, not only for the Jews, but for the nations, for the world. Jesus came for the world. He came to make a people who were not his people. His death not only saves the believing Jew, but it saves the believing Scot, and it saves the believing African. In the book of Revelation, we're given this great picture, aren't we? This wonderful picture of people from every tongue and tribe and nation gathered around the throne of God, worshipping God in heaven. And it's all made possible and only made possible because of Jesus, the light of the world. I got a great sense of what it means for Jesus to be a light of the world uh, a week or two ago as I was walking along the seawall from Preston Pans back to Musselburgh. It was night time and it was pitch black and I couldn't see much further than the ground in front of me. And yet, as I looked across into Edinburgh, I could see all the lights lighting up the darkness. And that's a picture of what Jesus is like in our world. Our world is pitch black. And yet Jesus lights it up. except Jesus is not like a a street light in Edinburgh, but he is more like the sun that lights up the whole world. But there is one more thing that we see from this statement about Jesus, "I am the light of the world." And it's that He brings us out of darkness. He's the only one that can bring us out of darkness. And this is the main reason why Jesus said this. Why he said, I am the light of the world. Because those that follow him are brought out of darkness. The Bible teaches that without Jesus as our saviour, we are all in darkness. We are in moral darkness and spiritual darkness. We are led astray by the devil, the world, and those around us. We follow lies, we are given over to them that we may embrace all kinds of falsehoods. It's like we're in utter darkness and we cannot see any light at all. Walking in darkness, it gives us this picture, doesn't it, of stumbling around, not knowing uh, where we're going. And, you know, we're just hopelessly in the dark, as if we've been blindfolded in a a game of, of blind man's buff. And it's the same for the world over. The human race is deceived by lies and bound by sin. And yet Jesus is the one who can change our darkness into light. Through Jesus we can be brought into the kingdom of God. We can be freed from the condemnation of our sin. And our eyes can be opened to see the light. And this is because Jesus came in order to do this. He came in order to establish his kingdom, to call a people to himself and to defeat the works of darkness. John writes this in his first epistle again, in chapter 3, verse 8. He writes, the reason the Son of God, of course, speaking of Jesus, the reason Jesus appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And Jesus accomplished this through his death and resurrection, where darkness was defeated forever. It's like we're all stuck in a dark and dirty dungeon and there's not a shed of light and we cannot free ourselves. We're helpless and we're hopeless. But then all of a sudden the the walls burst open and light shines in and our night becomes day. Our darkness becomes light and our blindness becomes sight. The old hymn of Charles Wesley describes this beautifully with sang it. And Fraser actually repeated the, the verse that I'm going to repeat now earlier on. So this should be stuck in your mind now. You've heard it three times. This is what he says. He says, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, Fast bound in sin and nature's night, Your eye diffused a quickening ray, I woke the dungeon flamed with light, My chains fell off, my heart was free, I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Wesley here is describing in poetic language what happens every time somebody becomes a Christian. Before they were imprisoned, they were bound by sin and nature's night. But when God, by his spirit, awakens a person or gives them spiritual life, it's like they wake up from a lifelong sleep. Their heart is set free and the result is that they get up and they follow Jesus. And what's even greater than everything we've just heard is that in this verse, Jesus assures us that this being brought out of darkness is everlasting. For those who are truly trusting in Jesus, they will forever be in the light. And we know this, because Jesus uses two uh, words in the Greek, "U" and me. And this is a very strong way of saying never. It's emphatic. Both of those words can be used. If only one of them was used, it's enough to say never. But yet he uses two, he says "U and me, and he's saying never, ever. It's not possible. There is no chance at all that those that follow me will ever walk in darkness again. It is just not possible. What an amazing promise Jesus makes in his statement of his. Through Jesus, the light of the world, we can be found never to be lost again. And so I wonder as you listen this morning, if you're not yet a Christian, do you realize that you are walking in darkness? You are lost and without hope in this world. Yes, this last year has been dark for all of us. But the reality is that without Jesus, our darkness is far greater than COVID-19. And the consequences are much further reaching. Without Jesus, you aren't just in a physical lockdown, but you're in a spiritual lockdown. Because of your sin. You may feel you're so free because without God, you can do what you like. But the reality is that you're in prison. You're in spiritual bondage, in, in spiritual lockdown. And the only hope of escape is not a vaccine, but the Lord Jesus. Jesus is our only hope of escape from our spiritual lockdown. But there is a reminder here for those of us who are Christians, and that is that we have been brought out of darkness. So let's not seek to be entangled with it again. Jesus calls us to be the light of the world, doesn't he? To be lights. He says, you are uh, lights in the darkness. He calls us to be lights that point to him, the greatest light. John, in his first epistle, he uses the language of light and darkness to say some very sober truth to us, doesn't he? In 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, he writes these words. He says, if we say we have fellowship with God... And yet, walk in darkness, we lie and do not do the truth. So John is saying to us here that we are not to be walking in sin, committing sin, and walking in falsehood. For if we do do that, then we cannot say that we are fellowship with God. Now these are strong words for us as Christians, aren't they? And we must consider them. And so if we are in Christ, then we need to be sure that we are walking in the light, as he is in the light may we not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. We need to be putting our sin to death and seeking to live holy and distinct lives. We need to be showing the difference it makes to be walking in the light and to have been brought out of the kingdom of darkness. If our lives are exactly exactly like our neighbours and our friends and our families who are yet in darkness then we need to wonder whether we or not are still walking in darkness too, don't we? Whether we've been given the light of life, which is the second half of Jesus' uh, promise in our verse. He says that those who follow me will be brought out of darkness and will have the light of life. And now this, this phrase, light of life, is somewhat ambiguous. Commentators don't really offer much help as to its meaning, but there is one thing that is certain about those that have the light of life. Now, light of life, it could mean spiritual life, or they have union with Christ, or they have the spirit of Christ dwelling in them. But those that have the light of life will be inwardly and outwardly different to those who do not. This means practically that those of us who have been brought out of darkness, we need to be forgiving to those who have wronged us. We need to be sacrificial in helping those around us. We need to be righteous in our conduct and repentant of all of our sin. We need to show the difference it makes to be in the light and to be walking in the light. And of course, all of this is part of following Jesus. And this brings us to the final point of this this sermon. We've seen that Jesus is the light of the world. We've seen that Jesus brings us out of darkness and finally then we see that Jesus is to be followed. As I mentioned at the beginning, there are many things in in life calling for our following. Many things. But if we want to prioritise who or what we should follow first and foremost, then we need to consider what they offer. And well, politicians... They offer a a minimum wage rise or a better run country. Social justice movements, they claim to offer justice and equality. And Twitter offers a better social life and something to do. But Jesus offers something which is far greater and far outweighs all of these uh, 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 previous offers. As we have seen Jesus offers rescue from spiritual life. Sorry, rescue from spiritual darkness. He offers peace with God and everlasting life. But the promise is only for those who follow him. Jesus never taught universalism. Now, universalism uh, universalism is the belief that somehow, someway, everybody will be saved in the end. Essentially, it's the belief that when we die, everyone without exception goes to heaven. Okay, maybe folks like Hitler or Stalin won't make it there, but pretty much everyone else will. But the problem is, Jesus never taught this. This is a lie believed by most, but it is a lie nonetheless. The, less. the only ones who do not walk in darkness are those who have the light of life, those who follow the light of the world. And it is interesting that Jesus spoke about following him, using this light metaphor during a festival, when the Jews remembered their fathers following the pillar of fire through the wilderness. This is why they lit the large candles in Jerusalem uh, during this ceremony. It was to remember the pillar of fire. Now, this took place back in the book of Exodus, when God brought Israel out of slavery under Egypt, and he brought them into the land of Canaan, which he promised to give them. And in order to do this, he set a pillar of fire in the sky by night and a cloud by day. And when the pillar of fire moved, they followed it, and when it stopped, they stopped. They trusted the the pillar controlled by God to lead them to where they had to go. And it was during this ceremony, as this image was in all of their minds, that Jesus called them to follow him. It's like Jesus was saying, just as your fathers followed the pillar of fire, so you must follow me. And that's what it all boils down to this morning. Who will you Follow. Who will you follow? In Jesus' day, they followed religious leaders or the latest revolutionary rising up against Rome. But for us, it's politicians or the latest celebrities or social justice movements. And yet our greatest need is to follow Jesus. And if we already do follow Jesus, our greatest need is to live like it. Jesus is the only one who can bring us out of darkness and bring us to God. Everyone else who calls for your following can only offer help for the here and now. And even then, it's only superficial or surface level, a lot of it. Whereas Jesus offers both help for the here and now and for eternity. As through him, through Jesus, we're made right with God. We're brought out of darkness and we're forgiven for our sin and changed Forever. And so as I finish this morning, I just want to finish with this final question. Who will you follow? Will you follow Jesus, the light of the world, who brings us out of darkness? Or will you follow something else or someone else which offers so little and delivers so little, and yet in eternity, in the light of eternity, it will cost you so much? I put it to you this morning, follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. I'm just going to close in a word of prayer and then we will uh, sing our next hymn.